Revolution 7 and the title of this talk is What Happened? All right, welcome everybody and uh, let's pray, let's just uh, Put everything where everything belongs in the hands of a, of a good God. Daddy God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your smile. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are not a requiring God, but you're a giving God. And because of that, we can stand and enjoy your presence and rejoice amongst us about what we're about to receive. I pray, my God, that I would be able to, I will be able to, express myself simply, properly, clearly, so that we can uh, understand what's going on. Amen. Hi, guys. Okay. Yeah, JJ. Okay. All right. Okay. Those are the more expensive ones, eh? Yeah. Look, you, 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 you occupy two, two cushions. So. Come, Jay. Hi, hi. Hi. All right. Okay, so um, we, have, uh, we have done six lessons, and we're now on number seven. And I thought instead of recapping from the beginning, because last time, uh, last lesson when I recapped, we went into well past half an hour recapping. Because I'm not very good in recapping. Uh, I, I, I do a lot of stuff. So I, I thought, keep calm and recap. And I'm going to use, I'm going to use this scripture, Hebrews six, thirteen to twenty. And um, this is what it says. Because basically everything that we said from the beginning can be explained, that can be contained in this uh, scripture. Uh, what, what did it say? When God made a promise to Melchizedek. Okay. <laughs> uh, 16 to 20, was it? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter. If, uh, okay. Let's read from... Uh, um, Let's read from 11, what the heck. Okay. Uh, it says, Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. Okay. So, in other words, if perfection... We, we spoke about the fact that, that we are not looking for sanctification. We're not looking for uh, um, a change. We're not looking... We have been made perfect. According to the Bible, the, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we, we, we read in one of the lessons, He has made you perfect through one sacrifice, once and for all. Okay? So that was, the, that was the understanding. So we're not looking for perfection. Now, we are not perfect in our lives. I don't know if you, if you can't 
understand that just look at the person next to you and you'll see that you're not perfect okay um, none of us is perfect none of us is but this is our um, physical life where we live as bodies as minds as souls and everything our spirits have been made perfect in Christ so the perfection that we're looking for is not the one here because we will never get the perfection here. Mm. Nobody will ever be able to obey the Lord. Nobody be able, will ever be able not to sin. Yeah. And that's why Jesus made it so difficult. Every time he, he spoke to the, uh, to, the, to the people of Israel, he said, guys, you think you can do this? Okay, let me tell you something. Start cutting your hand off because your hand made you sin. Start plucking your eyes out because your eye made you sin. Sell everything you have. You want to follow me? Sell everything you have. Go home. Sell everything. No, 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 no. Sell the underpants too. Sell the shoes. Sell the sa sell everything you have and then come. Follow me. And, and over and over and over and over it makes things impossible so that the people can look and say, you know what? Uh, there has to be another way. And that's when Jesus stands up and he says, hello, I am the way. There is another way. The way that you heard of before, and, and sorry, I'm just going all over the place. But uh, you remember also that we, we, we have, uh, we have uh, read in the Bible that Jesus declared, I didn't come for you guys, for, for us. He didn't come for us, okay? He said, I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When he sent his disciples, he sent them. The apostles, he sent them to heal, to preach, to heal, to cast the demons, to preach the gospel. He sent them to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In the book of, in the book of Acts, chapter 10, when Peter goes to Cornelius, which, by the way, was Italian. <laughs> just, just a thought, just, just a thought. We're in the Bible. Just a thought. And um, when he went to Cornelius... And Cornelius said, look, I prayed Avara, and God, and an angel appeared and said that you've got words to give me. So we're here. And, and he, he, he called all his, the, his whole family and his servants and everybody were very much like this. And, and Peter arrived and he began to say something. He said, okay, let me, let me talk to you about the word whom God sent to the children of Israel. Now this is in the New Testament, all right? This is in the book of Acts. Peter says Jesus was sent to the, to the children of Israel. The word of God, Jesus was sent to the children of Israel. Not to us. We are not part of that Levitical input that says Ten Commandments, Torah, Talmud, 613 rules, keep this, keep that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. Which still today, in 99% of the churches is being preached every Sunday. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. And if you don't do, if you don't do this, God is gonna be upset. If you don't, if you do that, God is. What I'm saying is that, which is also another lesson that we covered, is that sin has got consequences. You sin, something is gonna break in your life. Okay, the consequences are bad. The consequences are deadly. That's why God hates sin with everything He can, because He hurts His children. But sin has been taken care of once and for all. He nailed it to the cross in Christ and it's gone. Your sins past, present and future. 
And one of the things that people sometimes say, say, but how can you talk about the, the sins in the future that we haven't committed yet? And my, my question to you is this, how many sins had you, had you committed when Jesus forgave you on the cross? Every single sin was in the future. So it's, it's not the past and the present. Yeah, okay, he forgave me. But now I better not sin because otherwise God. Every single thing that you did in your life was nailed to the cross. Once and for all. And that's why sin has been taken care of. That's why when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he doesn't say, Behold, the Lamb of God who covers the sin of the world. That was the Levitical priest. That's the way they did it in those days. Yom Kippur, the, the scapegoat, the blood of the goat that covers the sin of Israel for one year. We saw in Hebrews 6 that the, that, that, that the Bible says that there's a reminder of sin every year. When you do that sacrifice, there's a reminder of sin that tells you you haven't been forgiven once and for all. You must come back. We'll see you next year. Okay, you clean now? We see you next year. Why? Because the blood of the goats and the, and, the, and, the, and the cows could not take away sin once and for all, but the blood of the Lamb did. And that's why John the Baptist says, Behold, the, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if I don't hurry up, we're going to be here the whole night. So, okay. So, let me just carry on. So, that was the first word. Levitical priest. <laughs> for under it, the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron. Now, uh, sorry, I have, to, I have to say this. Do you realize that Jesus instantly broke the law? Instantly. Why? Because he presented himself as a high priest. The Bible calls him the high priest of the house of Israel of the, after the order of Melchizedek. You cannot be a high priest if you don't come out of the house of Aaron. Only Levites can be high priest, can be a high priest. Jesus came from the house of Judah. So he couldn't, he could not touch the blood, he could not do anything. So the moment he's born, he breaks the law. And then I don't know if you noticed how cheeky he was, but every time he went to heal somebody, he did it on a Saturday. <laughs> he just he just I know it, I said. Peter, what day is it? Sa Saturday, Lord. Okay, let's go eat somebody. <laughs> let's go eat somebody. Where are the Pharisees? At the temple. Okay, let's go to the temple. And get me some paralyzed person. Get me somebody. That just, why? Because he needs to stir up that religious spirit that keeps people in bondage. Amen. Keeps Amen. people in the dark. Because yes. it's only the knowledge of grace that will burst light in your, in your life. Yeah. And, and take it away once and for all. Okay, that was the second word. <clears throat> for the priesthood, being changed on necessity, there is also a change of the law. <sighs> okay, never mind. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, for which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident, if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest, who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life, for he testifies, you're a priest forever according to the order of Okay, now. 
Four on one. Am I right? Am I reading the right one? I'm not. That's why I was wondering. But it, that was okay. That was nice. I enjoyed it. Okay. I was, I was reading seven. Okay. Sorry. Let me let me start again. Uh, uh, six thirteen to twenty. Okay. Good. Okay. I was in seven. All right. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Okay, what, what, and oh, that's also wrong. Okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to get it, okay. For when God, there we go, for when God, for when, keep calm. <laughs> for when God, okay, we got it right. For when God, see, that, that happens when you believe in what you're saying. You can find it everywhere. I don't care, I can read the newspaper and I'll find grace. I'm not kidding. I'm, you know, that's the, when you, what, what, you've, what you're full of, <coughs> it, it'll come out of you. And that's why I have a problem when people say to me, uh, yeah, but Mario, uh, if you preach grace, then, then we can do what we want. Then we can sin and do what we want. And my question to you is this, why? What do you want to do? Because yeah. 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 if that is what you want to do, if that comes out of your heart, the, the moment I unlock you from religion, you want to go sin, brother, you better get born again. Because you ain't born again. Nothing has changed inside you. Now, you're just holding these wild horses. You're holding them back into the stable. Lock up the doors. Because the moment that you're free, boy, you out there looking for some chick or for some bottle or for some needle or for something because that's what you want. That's the first thing that comes out of you. So, <clears throat> for God, <laughs> six yeah. Uh, for when God made a promise to Abraham, okay, because he could swear by no other, he swore by himself, saying, "Surely blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you." Now, when did he do this? He, he did this in in uh, in in Genesis, in Genesis 20, uh, twenty, when when uh, when the sacrifice of Isaac was required. But I, just, I want you to see this, and you remember that we spoke of, this, of the fact that when God called Abraham and he put him to sleep, and we discussed the fact that when God has something important to do, he puts man to sleep, because otherwise man will mess it up. Mm -hmm. So he puts Adam to sleep when he has to create Eve, Eve <coughs> obviously, because otherwise we know how Eve would have turned out... Uh, very big, <laughs> and and he puts and he puts the disciples to sleep when he's in the garden of Gethsemane. Why? Because they would have prayed, "No, Lord, save him! Your son is innocent." They would have they would have listed all the reasons why Jesus should not go to the cross, and that was the will of God that he would go to the cross. So he puts him to sleep. So he puts to sleep man when man must not <coughs> interfere. With God's plan, okay. So he puts Abraham to sleep, and and he had asked Abraham <coughs> to bring uh, five animals, of which three were big animals, uh, a cow and a goat and a sheep and everything, and two were birds. So we looked at the fact that five is the number of grace, and he says, cut the three animals in two, which give me six pieces. Plus the, the two birds don't, don't cut so that it makes eight. So we see five and eight. Five is the number of grace. Eight is the number of new beginnings. God is walking through the pieces and grace will give you a new start in life. And that is what he does when he walks through the pieces that Abraham lays down. 
five number of grace, grace walks, and eight pieces, eight is the number of new beginnings. Everything that starts with eight is a new beginning. Seven, seven days of the week, Monday is a new beginning, even though Sunday was a new beginning in those days, but it's still seven and one, eight. Seven colors of the rainbow, eight colors. Seven notes of the piano, eight is the, is the new octave. And everything is, eight is the number of new beginnings. In fact, the Jesus, Jesus Christ King, uh, uh, King of the Jews, it's 888, three times eight, the, new, the total new beginning. Anyway, so here he does, he, he's, he's speaking about that covenant that he's cutting with himself. And this is the important thing that I'm trying to, to get to you, that, trying to recap as much as I can what we've discussed in the first six lessons is that God didn't do a covenant with another man, he didn't do a covenant with Abraham, he did a covenant with himself. Because Abraham could not have kept the covenant. The same way that Adam couldn't keep the covenant. The same way that Moses couldn't keep the covenant. The same way that Israel couldn't keep the covenant. And because of this impossibility of keeping the covenant, God says, I have to create a covenant that will last forever. And who is the only one that can keep a covenant like that? Me. And so we saw that it comes down as smoke and fire which is the representation of Christ from the beginning of time. From Israel uh, escaping from, from Egypt, the column, the column of, of smoke and the column of fire, to, from his appearance on Sinai, uh, smoke and fire, from the, from the burning bush. Wherever God appears to man, the way that he appears is either smoke, a cloud, and fire, a flame. Even when the Holy Spirit comes down, there's a sound of the heavy wind, but I believe that that wind was, was the movement of the, of the air and fire, and the tongues of fire that came on the disciples. So wherever God appears, He appears as uh, smoke and fire. And smoke and fire come down and walk through the pieces, and God in that day cuts that covenant with Himself. And now watch what He says. He says, because He couldn't sway uh, for men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end to all dispute. Okay, so uh, if I have to swear uh, by something, I will go and find, still today, you go and find a third person, a third party. Okay, you go and find a, 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 some, uh, an attorney, you go and find a, 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 a pastor, you go and find a, 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 a policeman when you sign an affidavit, you've got to swear something, you, you swear you need somebody else. Now watch what he says, he says, uh, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. So what does it mean? It means that God cannot lie, and the two immutable things are God and God. And God, who cannot lie, cuts a, cuts a covenant with himself who cannot lie, and so this covenant cannot lie, and it's eternal, and that's the reason why we can be part of this covenant and be eternally saved by that covenant. And like I said, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but we got CDs there. Assume that uh, um, um, Peter wants five copies, okay? And, and my original is scratched. 
if I if I put if I if I had a machine that made copies, I put the the master on the one side, which is scratched. How do the five copies come out? Messed up, right? Scratched. Okay, and that's what happened with Adam. The master of the human race was Adam. Adam sinned. The master got damaged, or as we say in computer lingo, corrupted. The file was corrupted. So every time you repeat, every time you copy that file, every time you make a copy of that CD, it will be corrupted, will be damaged, will be not right. So now, religion comes and takes that CD and tries to smooth it with a little cream, tries to take away the scratch with a bit of sandpaper, making more damage, and, and tries to fix that CD. But you and I know very well that you will never be able to fix it. So what must you do? You must cut another CD. You must get another master. You must ask Mario to preach it again. <laughs> and God, and, 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 and God asked God, preached again, I need another master. And Jesus came down as the last Adam, a new master, perfect and this time, that master could not be damaged. And when that master made copies, every copy is acceptable to God. Because they're copies of the master, of the new master. And I told you a couple of weeks ago that the only difference between us and unbelievers is location. Like they say in real estate, location, location, location. Location is you are either in Christ or you're in Adam. And that's a physical location. You are in Adam. You're born a sinner. So how many sins do you have to commit to be a sinner? One? No, not even one. You're born a sinner. You're born a sinner. Why? Because you are in Adam until you come out of Adam and you are in Christ. And as much as you didn't have to do anything bad to be in Adam and to be a sinner, you have to do nothing good to be in Christ and to be righteous. That's the same principle. You're in Adam, you're a sinner. But I didn't do anything. It doesn't matter. You're, you're in Adam, you're a sinner. You're a human being. You came out of Adam, you're a sinner. You're in Christ, you're righteous. But I didn't do anything. It doesn't matter. You're in Christ. He's perfect. You're in Christ, you're righteous. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So it's location. It's not behavior. You can be a bad boy and be in Christ... And in the eyes of God, you're perfect. Or you can be a very, very, very good boy. And, and we know some of them. But being Adam, and in the eyes of God, you were, you know, just like filthy rags. Okay? So, uh, this hope, what hope? The hope that is set before us. We're going to talk about hope tonight. But the hope that he said before us, what? That we, that there's something beyond this impossibility that, that we are placed before. Be accepted by God. It's, it's, it's impossible. And he's talking about the high priest. And the high priest used to do this, used to go to the holy place, to the holy of holies. He used to go inside once every, every year, okay? And he used to go in there with the blood for himself and the blood for Israel, the scapegoat, we talk about that. But when he came out, the hope of cleanliness was finished, because now you, all you had to do was wait another year, and then you'd be damnable again. 
you'd be, you be ready for judgment again. So that hope was not in that system. Uh, now he says, where the forerunner, <coughs> now, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. So this anchor is now inside, on the other side of the veil. Remember that I said to you, uh, the new covenant doesn't start with uh, the, the, the crib, doesn't start with the cradle, doesn't start with the birth of Jesus, it starts with the death of Jesus. The new covenant doesn't start in Matthew 1.1, 1, 1. it starts at the end of the gospel when Jesus on the cross dies and he says it is finished. <coughs> that's, when the, that's when the new covenant starts. And uh, 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 most, most of you, well, all, every, every Bible will we'll finish the book of Malachi and, uh, and go into Matthew and we'll have a page that says New Covenant, the New Testament, see? It doesn't matter which translation it is, it'll start there, but it doesn't. And we saw that the book of Hebrews says that the New Testament, the Testament only starts when the, when the person who wrote the Testament dies. And it doesn't, you see how how silly the thing is and how we've been, behave, we've been believing wrong that while Jesus was on earth preaching the Gospels, that was New Covenant. That's not New Covenant. New Covenant starts when Jesus dies. That's why He says on the cross, it is finished. What? The Old Covenant. The Old Covenant. A covenant ends with the death of the one who breaks the covenant. If the covenant is broken, death, and that was the representation of the species, those animals killed every time. The, the Bible says there is no remission of sin apart from blood. Blood is the thing that takes away the sin. So when a person in the old covenant breaks the covenant, the, the, the penalty for that is death. Now Jesus goes to the cross and pays the breaking of the covenant of Israel, of Adam, of humanity, of every single human being who ever lived that broke the covenant of God, Jesus on the cross pays that old covenant is finished. He goes into hell. He gets sown as a seed. He takes the sin of humanity into the earth that has been cursed by God in Genesis chapter 3. Because of what you've done, the earth is cursed, Adam. So cursed is the earth, the earth, that's why everything that comes out of the earth sooner or later dies. I don't care what it is. Everything that comes out of the earth, because the earth carries the, the curse of God. So Jesus takes the sin of Adam, the sin of humanity, the sin of Moses, the sin of Israel, the sin of the Lord, takes it, the curse of the Lord takes it and goes into the earth, drops it there, is resurrected as a perfect new Adam, and that's the beginning of the new covenant. Now we're talking. Now when Jesus speaks, He's speaking to us. Because the Bible says out of the two people, He made one. Out of the two flocks, He made one. Suddenly it's not Israel anymore. Suddenly Jesus is not talking to Israel in the Gospels. That's why over and over and over again we hear preaching from the Gospel and we appropriate what, what Jesus said, he's talking to Israel. You know what you can do from the gospel and from the Old Testament? You can pull out the blessings. 
Because Paul in the book of Galatians says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, for it is written that everyone is cursed that hangs on a tree, that we may receive the blessings of Abraham through the because of Gentile, because we we Gentiles. The Gentiles could receive the blessings of Abraham because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has taken the curse to the to the cross. We can take the blessings of Abraham. So in other words, everything that says you are blessed, you can take that. Jesus bought it for you. But don't go and dig up some obscure verse in Job by which you must give up your I don't know something you must cry and whip yourself and because Job said that uh, uh, you know uh, God has given and God has taken away blessed be the name of the Lord no all that is written not to you not to me is written to Israel and that's why Jesus came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, not to us. When the Syrophoenician woman asked him to heal his, her daughter, Jesus said it clearly. He said, I didn't come for you. I came for Israel. And she said, yeah, but even the little dogs at the, at, uh, under the table of the master can receive the crumbs. And then he turns around without asking her to forgive, without asking her to become a Jew, without asking her to, to change her life, without asking her to repent, without a, nothing. He says, go home, your daughter is healed. Yeah. Why? Because she's Gentile. She's not under the law. She doesn't have to perform anything. She doesn't have to produce anything. See, we don't have to go to God with the with sacrifice of Cain. Carrots and leaves, le leeches and, and, and leeks, no leeches, sorry. Um, uh, well, le leeches, yeah. The, the, there's, there's a, did you know what poly politics means? Poly is many, in the Greek many, and ticks are blood-sucking insects. <laughs> politics, anyway, leeches. Leeks, leeks. Okay, he went with the fruit of his hands. He, he went with what came out of the ground that had been cursed by God. So he, he takes something that is cursed and he goes to God and he says, Here's my offering. And God says, Go away, I don't want that. That is cursed. You took it out of the ground. Now here comes Abel and he says, Dad... Remember when you gave me that lamb? You're the only one who can create a lamb because you're the only one who can create life. So I, I'm not bringing you something that I made. I'm bringing you something that you made. You made the lamb. You made Christ. You cut the covenant with Christ. I'm coming to you in the name of Christ. And that's why I'm accepted. Not because I'm... Not because I, I smell good or I behave good or I know, but because you have accepted Christ. And then you say to me, Mario, get into Christ. The same way that you spoke to Noah and you said, get into the boat, get into the ark. <clears throat> That's the only way in which you're not going to be judged. Get into the ark. The same way that you spoke to Lot and you said, get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's location, location, location. Get into Christ and you're safe. Okay? But now, okay, let's get on. I'm done. I'm almost done. So, with a forerunner which enters the presence behind the veil, this, this anchor, this hope of, of salvation, this hope of, of, this, of this covenant cut by Jesus, enters the presence behind the, the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So, 
Jesus has become high priest. What was the high priest? The high priest was the one who took the people of Israel to God through the sacrifice. Once and for all, Jesus takes anybody. Because now, remember, now there's no more Israel. I love it when people come to me with the curls and the, and the funny-looking shawls. And, the, and, the, and I love it. I say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are we, are we doing the, the Moses thing again? I, I don't know. What are we doing? I mean, is it now in Adam, in Christ, and in Moses? There's only two locations, in Adam or in Christ. He made of two flocks, one. Paul in Ephesians says he made of the two men, one, a new man, by breaking the veil, the wall of separation that divided the, holy, the, the holies of holies, from the rest of the world. The rest of the world were us in the desert, in, you know, under the sun. Israel was inside the tabernacle, represented by the, by the high priest. He breaks the veil through his death from the top to bottom. He opens the way to God. And now all of a sudden, it's only one people. Those who go to God, and another people, those who turn around and go away from God. That's it. So location. So, that hope is like an anchor. <coughs> That anchor, that anchor is hope. And that hope is grace. Because I don't know about you, but I don't have any hope if I don't think that God did it. If I think, I still, I still have to do it. Or oh, religiously, you know, in church Sunday morning, I can, I can put on the, the right act and the right facade and everything and, and make believe as if I can actually be good. But you can ask, my friends, you can ask my wife, you can ask, I'm a good person, but boy, do I miss it. On a regular, but none of you, but I mean, that's me, okay? Do I miss it? And again, the beautiful thing is that Jesus says, guys, see, I just want you to understand something. You don't have to be an adulterer because you go to bed with a woman that's not your wife. Uh -uh -uh. All you have to do is look. You don't have to be a murderer because you kill somebody. Yeah, but I never killed anybody. No, you have. But Jesus doesn't give you that out. He says, all you have to do to kill somebody is call him an idiot on the highway. Or on television. Don't lift your hand. How many of you have said something to Juju, to, to Malema? Anybody said? Okay, don't, don't lift your hand. Okay. We, we, <laughs> okay. We, and, and how many of you have got a problem with Jacob? I mean... Seriously, why? Because we're human beings and because we look at that and then, and then we grab and we pull back. But instantly it's that thing that says, you know what, you, why don't you just gupta off? <laughs> just, 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 just leave, just leave, go to India, go somewhere else. And that is natural. And Jesus says, you know what, you're a bunch of murderers. Now how do we fix that? And I told you the other day, the, the, you know, the, the famous Lord's Prayer. That shit. Oh, Lord, hallowed be your name. And by the way, Lord, I've got this great idea. Forgive me like I forgive others. <laughs> There's no one person that makes heaven. Not one. No one 
Because you, I don't care, you can look at me with a pious smile and with a halo on your head. There's something in your heart that has not forgiven somebody. Even if it's just Jacob Zuma. <laughs> or Molepe, the guy, Molepo, what's his name? Molepo, the guy from Eskom. I don't know, man. When, every time I put electricity in the stupid machine there, I said, go. Really? Seriously? Two rand for one unit? And Jesus says, guys, you can't do it. You, don't you realize that you have to move out of Adam into me? And then we can do it. Then we can talk again. That's the only hope. Grace. Genesis 22, 16 to 18. Uh, it's, it, it, well, it's, uh, it's when, it's when, let me read it. Genesis is when, is when uh, Abraham takes Isaac and goes to Mount to Moriah, which is a, it's a group of mountains. Uh, it's five mountains. Five is the number of graves. As you know, five mountains. Um, uh, Mount of Olives, uh, Moriah, Zion, um, and Calvary. Calvary is also one of the five, one of the range. Okay? So Jesus in John, in John uh, um, uh, 8, he, he, he speaks to the Pharisees and he says, uh, uh, when they tell him you, you're not even 50 years old and you talk about Abraham, and Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. You remember? And then what did he say? He said, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. That's why they say, you're not even 50 years old. What day did he see? What day did Abraham see? He saw the resurrection. He saw, he saw Calvary. It's a long story. But Abraham is looking at Calvary right now. He's at the, at the bottom of this group of mountains, this range of mountains, and he's supposed to go up there with Isaac and sacrifice him there. His son, his only begotten son, a, a, a shadow of, of, of the Son of God. So he's going to take his and go there on Calvary and sacrifice him there. And why suddenly does he rejoice and he decides to do it? Because he sees what God does to Jesus. He saw my day. He saw my sacrifice and my resurrection. He saw my day and he rejoiced. Why? Because he knew that, uh, that Isaac wasn't going to stay dead. So, if I, if I, if I burn your circuits, I'll, I'll, I'll fix them up just now. 16. It says, by myself, this, this is God speaking, <coughs> by myself I sworn, by myself. How difficult is that? I have sworn, says the Lord. Because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your, withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is in the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of the enemies. In your seed, and Paul picks it up and he says, he doesn't say seeds as on many, but he says seed as one, which is Christ. In your seeds, all the nations of the earth, Goim, all the pagans, all the unbelievers, all the all the Gentiles, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. And that is why God cuts a covenant with himself and then he says, Abraham, you part of this covenant by association. Not because you earned it, not because you did anything, you were asleep, remember? Right. So now, you hear by association and because you've done this, all the blessings that are poured into Christ will flow into you, through you, into those who believe. And Paul calls him the father of faith. Abraham, the father of faith. The father of those who believe. So, we belong to a group of people who simply 
believe that we are perfect. We don't, we don't claim it, we, don't, we just believe that we are. Because in Christ, that's what we are. So, that's the anchor. And the anchor that, that reaches into the most holy place, into the presence, is the thing that says, I can go to God because Jesus says it is finished. It's the heart of grace. It's not because I can deserve it, not because I can do it, not because I can behave in a particular way, but because I can go in there because of what Christ has done. And that is the only hope and the only and the heart, the heart of grace. That's it. It is finished. Okay? Now that anchor, what does that anchor do? That anchor works in the unseen realm. So in other words, you don't have a list of do's and don'ts. You don't have a list of, you don't have something that you take and you say, okay, today I didn't <coughs> kill anybody, today I didn't do any, uh, I didn't cuss anybody, I didn't drink too much, I didn't smoke too much, I didn't whatever too much, I didn't uh, do this and I didn't do that. It's not something that you tick off. It's something that works in the unseen realm. Inside of you, if you believe in grace, inside of you there's the thing that goes... <sighs> and everybody can come at you, yeah, but you don't... And you just go... Yeah, I don't know, I can't explain it, but I got an anchor. I got an anchor in the fact that I'm a son. Yeah, but you, you, you look what you did. Yeah, I mean, I might not be a very good son, <clears throat> but I'm a son. I got an anchor that reaches beyond the veil into the prisons and that gives me hope. Uh, the anchor keeps you facing the storm. How do, you, how do you face, we were talking just now with Marina about people that face storms in life, a uh, friend of mine, the, the guy that, that bought Fusion just lost his wife. And two months after losing his wife, they, his, his little granddaughter is uh, um, diagnosed with leukemia. And, uh, how do you, and, and he carries, and I mean, every one of us, we can, we can go through every one of us, and we can find something that says, you know what, if I could have chosen, I would not have chosen what, you, what, what happened. Right? We could, we could, every one of us could say, you know what? You could have done something else in that situation. But now, what, why is this person, keep, why does he keep on posting on Facebook, God is good, God is, I miss my wife terribly, God is good, thank daddy, you're so good. Why, how can you do that? Because you've got the anchor of grace that keeps you facing the storm. When you drop anchor, your boat turns and faces the storm. If you don't have an anchor, it hits you sideways and it takes you out. <coughs> yeah. And the next thing is the bottle, the next thing is uh, until it comes to the gun, and, the, and that's what the devil wants. And the only, why? Because if you don't have the hope of grace, what do you have? The only hope that you have is your performance. Mm. And you know what? That stinks. Mm. That stinks. And you can count on it, somebody's going to come and tell you. It stinks. Mm. You don't have enough faith. You know why she died? Because uh, you, you haven't got enough faith. Or because there was, there was sin somewhere, somewhere. Somewhere there was sin. Or because <coughs> you did, or because, or because she did, or because they did, or because... And that'll take you out. That'll take you out. Because in that moment, when all you need is someone to say, 
it's okay, you don't understand, but it's okay. You'll be alright, you'll make it. You, 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 you feel like you're dying now, but you'll be okay. There's a tomorrow. Come, let's go together. I, uh, like today I posted, when you're in the darkness, when, you, when you're in the, in, in, in the dark room, you don't need someone that gives you a book that says how to get out of a dark room. Or how not to get lost in a dark room. You need someone that takes you by the hand and says, you know what, I've been here before, come, I know the way. And he takes you out. And that's, that's the grace of the, of, that's the anchor of grace that keeps you facing the storm. Only grace. That's why Jesus said on this declaration of me being the Son of God, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's when, when you know you're a Son of God, the devil can't, prevent, can't prevail against you. Why? Because he, what can he throw at you? You haven't got enough faith. Yeah. I'm an unbelieving son of God, but I'm a son of God. Mm. Yeah, but look how much you, you're full of sin. Yeah, I'm a sinful son of God, but I'm a son of God. Mm. But look, you don't, you, you don't tithe, you don't do this, you don't do that. Yep, I'm a disobedient son of God, but I'm a son of God. Mm. And that is the thing that keeps you facing the storm. Otherwise, the devil takes you out. Takes you out. There's always something that you're not doing right. There's only something that you're not doing enough. And of course the best one is you don't have enough faith. <clears throat> Anchor presupposes persistence. It's not a balloon that takes you out of the problem and drops you some, somewhere else. The anchor presupposes that you've got to hold on. And only grace allows you to hold on. For what? For a week? For a month, for a year, for the rest of your life. And you just hold on. And the only thing that, that presupposes persistence, patience, and, um, the ability to, to hang in there, it's, it's the anchor of grace. And the anchor holds the boat. The boat doesn't hold the anchor. It's Jesus that is holding you. It's Jesus that is carrying you. It's Jesus that is holding your life. He said, he said these are my sheep. And, and they're in my Father's hand. They're in my hand. They're in my Father's hand. Nobody will be able to take them out of my hand. And I challenge people that fight the message of grace. And I say, <clears throat> what does the original Greek mean? When Jesus says nobody will take him out of my, will be able to take him out of my hand, what 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 do you think the original Greek said? I really and honestly believe that it may, that it says nobody will ever be able to take him out of my hand. And if nobody can take him out of, take me out of Father's hand, guess where I am? I'm in Father's hand, and where Father is, there I am. Either Jesus meant what he said, or he lied. And if he lied, then I'm, I'm out of here. Because that is a very, very serious thing to say. Nobody will take my sheep. And remember, he was speaking about two flocks. There's another flock that I have that I'll have to make, put together. And on the cross, he puts the two flocks together, and they all become his sheep. And he says, my sheep are in my hand. Nobody takes them out of my hand. 
And Jesus, if you, if you didn't mean nobody, then you should have told me so. You should, have, you should have told me, watch out for idols, watch out for mammon, watch out for uh, power, watch out for this, because that can take you out of my hand. <clears throat> but he said nobody. Paul picks it up again in Romans 8, and he says, no principalities, no powers, no angels, no demons, no, no good, no bad, no nothing on earth, nothing under the earth, nothing above the earth, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. So again, Paul, if something can separate me from the love of God, then you better tell me. Even if it's me, can I separate myself from the... Think. Can you separate yourself from the love of God? No. It's easy. The answer is easy. It starts with mm and ends with oh. <laughs> you can't separate because it's not you. You not saved because you're good. You saved because he is good. I think, I don't know if I told you the story of Charlie Brown. I'll tell you the story of Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown, peanuts. He comes home and he's got a, he's got a, a box of cookies. And Susie, you all know, remember Susie. Susie, the ugly, nasty little girl. Says, Charlie Brown, why you got, the, why, why you got cookies? I said, got cookies. My, my grandma gave me cookies. Why she gave you cookies? What did you do for us? And Charlie Brown said, didn't do anything for her. I said, why did, so why you got cookies? And Charlie Brown said, well, she gave me cookies not because I'm good, but because she's good. Mm. Now, if that's not the gospel, yeah. that's the gospel. Not because I'm good, because he's good. Mm. And because he's good, I will take all the cookies he's got. I will. And, I, and now I'm going to show you something. Now, first, let me, let me just go. How are we doing? Okay, we've got another 10 minutes. Um, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, I'm, I'm thinking if, uh, if next week um, we shouldn't just uh, get together and just talk about what we talked about before, like questions, answers, doubts, uh, um, simple questions, you know, like, uh, I don't know, what do you think of the tithe? Uh, what do you think of... Uh, once saved, always saved. You know, anything. Uh, we can talk like that. But uh, what I want to do is I want to start uh, tackling the, the, the letter to the Colossians because the book of Colossians, uh, if it's still attached to my Bible, uh, the book of Colossians is basically where uh, Paul highlights the work of Christ. Uh, in Ephesians, Paul speaks of the the church of Christ. In Colossians, he speaks of the Christ of the church. He speaks of the of the of of, of what he did. And uh, Colossians chapter one, he says this: Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. First of all, Paul introduces himself as who he is and not what he does. He doesn't say, "I'm the apostle Paul," and this is my letter. No, this is Paul, an apostle. Now, why do I say that? Because lately, in the church, there is this tendency of having titles. There's a lot of people that come apostle, reverend, even pastor. On TV, turn on TBN, and you see that. Uh, my name is Pastor John. No, your name is not Pastor John. Your name is John. That's who you are. And you do 
pastor. Your name is not Pastor John. But unfortunately, and that is another tactic of the devil, he moves who we are and he strings it into what we do. And if you do that, sooner or later you'll find someone who does it better than you. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, your identity is crushed. Because if you are an apostle, Mario, somebody's going to show up and say to you, you know what, you don't know nothing about apostle. Watch here, watch here. Like, that's apostle. And then you, but nobody can be Mario. Nobody can be Marina. Nobody can be JJ. No, that's who I am. I'm a son of God. In my individuality, I am what I am. That's what Paul says. I am what I am. Don't, don't, don't fight with me. So, anyway, there. So to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. First thing that he says, grace to you and peace. You cannot have peace if you don't have grace first. <laughs> grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that, uh, isn't that something that... Uh, that every church should be able to, uh, to carry. Say, uh, you know, I came to Hermanos and I came to Bosco because I heard of your faith and of your love. I've heard of your faith in Christ and I've heard of your love for one another. And that's why I'm here. And, and I don't know so much about faith, but I know about love. I know how many people have come to Bosco and have said, you know what, we come in here and we feel accepted. We just, we just, we just feel... <coughs> We just feel accepted. And that goes from Dr. Pierre Hugo, that was the top uh, face um, plastic surgeon in South Africa, to uh, Henny. To Henny, what was his name anyway? Doesn't matter. To Henny that, was, that lived in a, uh, in a, um, under a cardboard in a, on, on a street. And both of them said, you know, we come here and we feel, we feel accepted. So isn't that beautiful? Uh, um, see, uh, Of your love for us, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as if as also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Let me let me go on because this is not going to happen. Uh, I want to get to this to uh, contentious bit of scripture. Yeah, let's go, yeah, let's do this. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist, of course, he's talking about Jesus. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn, if there is a firstborn, there's a secondborn. I might be the 27th million down the line, but I'm born again from the dead. That in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him, in him, all the for in Christ, all the fullness should dwell, and by him reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, not difficult, having made peace, past tense, he has made peace through the blood of the cross with all things, he has redeemed what. Adam took into the ground and put into the ground the curse he has redeemed it Christ has taken it out and now 
we are redeemed. You, all humanity, every single thing, every single person has been redeemed by the blood of the cross. Through the blood of the cross, God forgave humanity. Adam. Now, does that mean that everybody goes to heaven? Of course not, because not everybody believes it. And you know it, and I know it. And that is, that is the sad thing that, that, that hurts. I don't know if anything can hurt God, but it hurts God is the fact that He's giving people a, a gift, and people want to pay for it. How would you feel? How would you feel? I, somebody comes to you and offers you a gift and you say, no, 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 how much is it? It's a gift. No, 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 no. I, I, need to, I need to earn it, I need to deserve it, I need to. And that's what we do with God, let me carry on. Uh, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now he has reconciled past tense, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And this is the, uh, the verse of scripture that I want to cover tonight and we're done. What we have here, we have a total, a total forgiveness, a total cleansing, total... You were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now he has reconciled. You have been reconciled. Okay? Nothing to do. Being reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. Okay? In his sight. And then he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So now what is, talking, what is he talking about? Because this is a, a contentious uh, verse of Scripture. Because I can, I can say to you, okay, you, you have been made blameless, and your sins have been forgiven if you continue. Right? That, that is what sounds like. And I want to present to you a bit of a... Sacred cow killing statement. Okay? Thank you for the musical background. And the statement and the statement that I want to make is this. You are not born again when you say seventeen words <coughs> after the preacher. You might. You might. But when you go to the altar and the preacher says, okay, say this after me. Uh, the first thing that they say is wrong. Father, forgive me of my sins. Okay? Isn't that what they immediately, the first thing they say, forgive me of my sins. And God is saying, I did! Okay. Why do you think Jesus went to the cross? Yeah. So already you come to me with a wrong assumption. That you're a sinner. You're not a sinner. You're forgiven. So come to me and say, I accept what you've done on the cross. But you see, because of that approach, the whole thing is skewed. The whole thing is warped. The whole thing is instantly we have the input 
that in order to reach God, we need not to sin. And that's not what Paul says over and over again. We go into beyond the veil into the presence of God, not because of what you do, but because of what Christ, the high priest of the old of Melchizedek, did once and for all for all of us. He's our representative. It took us. I want to ask you a question. Where in the Bible do you see Jesus speak? And I mean, if this thing has got any right of authorship, should be Jesus, right? Where do you see him getting a sinner? Think now. Getting a sinner and telling that sinner, all right, come over here. I see you. I see that hand. Come over here. Say this after me. Anyway? Anyway? Revelation part three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the book of Imaginations, chapter 75. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, why? Because it's not like, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's not, we, we want to put a cut. We want to say, okay, white, black. Unsaved, saved. It doesn't work like that. I'll give you an example. What was the best, possibly, the best opportunity for Jesus to do an altar call? The Sermon on the Mount. I mean, we, we've been to Israel, and it's, it's a mount. It's not a big mount, but it's a mount. And, uh, but the Bible says there were multitudes. There were thousands of people. Now, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's like a cave, beautiful, with, a, with an olive tree sticking out of it. And from there, it works, like a, it works like a loudspeaker. It's a cave on the side of the mountain. And it works like a loudspeaker. Anyway, beautiful. And then, of course, the, the, the water of the Sea of Galilee in front of you. But he's, he's talking, he's preaching, he's giving the best sermon of... Everybody will tell you the best sermon of ever preached is the Sermon of the Mount. And at the end of the service... And, and service at the end of the sermon... What a better opportunity. I mean, the Bible says there were Scythians, there were Greeks, there were Egyptians, there were from the, from the, from the uh, Decapolis, from this and that, uh, people from this, people from Rome, people from the place. There were multitudes of sinners. There was all sorts of people. The best opportunity to say, okay, everybody bow your head, close your eyes. Uh, uh, if you want to receive, uh, if you want to come into the kingdom, if you want to receive me, <laughs> lift your hand. Okay, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Come to the front, come to the front, let's pray, pray together. No, it didn't. Why? Because it can happen when you say those 17 words. Or it might not. And it's something... It's very much like a, like a growth, like a, like a seed, like something that is planted inside of you. And I don't want to go there, but if, if you take this concept one step further, you will see that in Mark 4, the sower sows the word, and the birds come and take it away. Why they take it away? How can you take away, how can the devil take away the word from my heart? If I receive it with joy. Because salvation is not an event. It's a journey. And that journey can be three seconds. I mean, I don't know. I think I wasn't born again when I went to the front and I gave my heart to Jesus that night. Because immediately, you can ask my wife, I used to, I used to do 
strange purchases and sales <laughs> with, uh, with African countries. And the first thing, that, I mean, I wasn't born again a month, I think, and I went to Zaire, which is now Congo, okay, the, the DRC. And immediately the devil put me together with this Greek learned person. And, I, and I've always been in awe of people who know what they're talking about. Because I just, I grab you and I grab they. But when people, you know, and this and that and that. And he took me to his house. And I mean, he was wall to wall, floor to ceiling books. This Greek boy just knew everything. From Socrates to... Ronaldo to, I mean, he just knew everything. And he totally took me apart. He said, this is a book that the, that the Jews have, uh, have concocted to take the land of Palestine. And he started destroying one thing after the other. One thing after the other. And the birds came, see, and took away the word. Because I told my wife, I said, put that book down. And don't read it until I come home. This, is, this was after God saved me from suicide. I was going to kill myself the next day. I go to this church. Ray McCauley makes the altar call. He goes, I go to the front. Suddenly this rock of depression that was squashing me and killing me is taken off. Poof. The next morning I wake up and I got a smile on my face. And boy, am I ready to go. I go to, to, to Zaire and ba-ba-bam! I come back, I'm gone, I'm lost. I'm, I'm, ah! I don't know what to do. I don't know the Bible. I don't know the Word. I don't know nothing. I just know that somebody gave me hope. And I tried to grab it. Now, as I say, I don't know if I got saved when I said the 17 words. Father, forgive me for my sins. I come here, I repent of, you know, the, 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 the classic salvation prayer. I don't know. I, I don't know. But I know that I went through some heavy downfall. But the results, you can see it now. So my salvation, and maybe you, you got a similar story. I don't know. But I can tell you something. Salvation is not an event. <clears throat> Only God knows when it happens. And it's like something that grows, something that, that happens in your life. And then one day, the next day, the next week, a month later, a year later, whatever, bang, that's it. You remember what Paul said? Someone sows, someone waters, but it's God that gives the growth. So when does it grow? When he says so. Nobody comes to me unless the Father sends them. No, Jesus said, nobody comes to me on this stuff. And so we've, we've, create, we've concocted this thing. Why? Because we want a tablet on which to tick. Today, I saved eight people. Yeah. And it's not on that. It's the work of the Holy Ghost. And something happens inside of you, and it might take a day, it might take a week, it might take a year, but you have been infected by that word. And suddenly you carry the germ. You carry the sperm of the Holy Ghost. And that's why the Bible says continue. You haven't been born again. Don't, don't 
Mario, the Greek spoke to you. Don't drop everything and go away from God because the Greek professor spoke to you. Continue, 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 because if you continue, eventually, bang, that thing will germinate, that, that, that seed will, will give birth to your new person. And I want you to see something. I, I, I had this, while I was meditating on this, while I was studying on this thing, because it's, it's, it, is, it, it is different. It is, but by now you should be used to different things. It is different. But I, I saw this balloon, and I saw the Holy Ghost pop in the balloon, and I couldn't figure out what the heck is that. And I, and I felt like that balloon is like me contained in the dimension of time, and when the Holy Spirit pops it, poof, I go into eternity. And now how do you take the air that was inside that balloon from the air that is on the outside? You can't. I'm lost in eternity. Now I am saved forever. I'm a child of God. You can't take it away from me. I'm in the hand of the Father. No. That's why I'm saying if you are saved, you are always saved. But don't come and tell me that you know Greg is not saved. You don't know. God knows it. And he doesn't even know it. There's something inside of you that didn't our heart burn while he was explaining the scriptures to us on the road. There's something inside and we don't know what it is. And that's the explanation to the continue verses. Continue. Carry on. Hang on to that. Stay hooked to that anchor on the other side of the veil. Pull on that anchor. Don't let go. Don't, 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 just, don't give up. Just hang on because it's going to happen. Amen. And it might happen after you say the 17 words at the altar. But it might happen 17 days later. Or 17 months later. Amen. So I want, you to, I want you to see this. And uh, I hope this explains what I'm talking about. Spirit is blowing the Spirit in your life and it's word and it's and it's witness and, and it's and it's something and it and it goes and it goes and it and it grows 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 and then eventually one day it pops and you are inside and you pop out the new person the new man which didn't exist before Behold, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. You weren't there. You, didn't, you were in, in Adam. You didn't exist. You didn't mean anything to anybody. Your little sphere was contained in the flesh of Adam. But all of a sudden, bang! You, you continue and you allow the Holy Spirit to blow in the Spirit, to blow in the Spirit, to blow in the, to water the seed, to water the seed, to prune. I don't know how it works. I just know that all that God is saying is that just hang in there. Hang in there. Because one day we're going to pop that balloon. And what's inside is going to get spread outside into the, the, the Your sphere of time 
is going to disappear and now you're going to be an eternal being. And you will never be able to take it back and put it back into there. And that's why, if you're a child of God, you're a child of God for eternity. Amen. Amen. Amen.